Welcome to the Rob Silverstone Show. I'm Rob Silverstone, and in today's episode, we will talk about what to do after you've been laid off. Not sure if you ever have been laid off. I have been a few times in my career, and each time led to different paths that I would not have expected had I continued to work at that same old, same old. In any event, let's talk about what comes next. Hopefully this podcast will help get you back on track if you've been laid off. And if you haven't been laid off, file this information in the back of your mind because it might help you down the road. So suppose you just got the news that your services are no longer required and your company is telling you to leave today. What do you do? Breathe. As one door closes, another door or doors may open, or perhaps even a window will open. It could be something that you are not expecting. Be open to new opportunities. Be open to relocation. You may have to reassess your industry, your goals, your strengths, and where the heck you'd want to live. Be open to new career paths and perhaps in industries you have not considered before. New experiences, even temporary ones, can establish new long-term relationships that you were not expecting. And always try to keep an open mind. And, last but not least in the intro, take notes. If you've been laid off, you probably had a conversation with your boss, perhaps with the HR department as well. Even if it's after that event took place, jot down some notes. This will help you later in keeping your head clear, in trying to recall what people told you, since it may have been a shock out of the blue. So what do you do first? First, see if your company is offering you some kind of severance, hopefully in the form of a severance letter that spells out yours and the company's responsibilities and what happens after you sign the severance letter. And by the way, do not sign that letter until you've shown it to a trusted advisor. That could be a friend, that could be a lawyer. If it's a long legal document, you are probably best advised to show it to a lawyer before signing. In any event, don't be ashamed. Being laid off happens more times than you realize to more people than you know. There has in the past been a stigma about being laid off, but that really shouldn't be. It's a very common occurrence these days as companies, especially older companies, try to streamline and cut costs because they've made a number of mistakes and now they feel they can't afford to pay the same payroll. At the same time, if you've been laid off, this will create new opportunities for you. You just have to be open to those opportunities. So tell your spouse or significant other, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your clergy, Tell whomever is close to you. Let people know that you've been laid off and that you're looking for another job. Even if you're not ready to look for another job tomorrow, just let them know so they'll start thinking about it on your behalf. Topics such as layoffs don't usually come up until after it's happened to somebody you know, even yourself. Listen to your friends and family, and you'll be amazed at how much better you'll feel after hearing their advice. Some of them may have gone through a very similar occurrence and perhaps not that long ago. You just don't know until you start talking about it. What do you do next? First, draw up a resume and cover letter. These are key elements uh, in the job search process. So once you start looking for a job, people ask you for a resume. A resume is a summary of your past work and educational experience. It needs to be carefully crafted, and we'll talk a bit about that. Uh, it is not specific to the job at hand, other than you should customize it to emphasize things that are most relevant for the job at hand that you then are applying for. However, do not misrepresent your background, nor your knowledge, nor key dates on your resume. 
You can omit dates that would perhaps show how long ago you went to college because you don't want to divulge your age, but do not omit information that is relevant, and please do not put information down that is false. Most bigger companies will verify certain facts on your resume, and if they find a discrepancy between what you wrote and the facts, you may not get the job or you may be terminated from the new job within a few weeks after starting. You do not want to go through the job search process twice in short succession if you can avoid it. Your cover letter is important as well, and that gives you the chance to highlight what elements of your background or knowledge are most relevant for the job you're applying for. Don't use a resume in place of a cover letter and don't use a cover letter in place of a resume. And very important, do not simply rehash your resume in the cover letter. The job uh, manager will look at both and if she sees that both are essentially the same, those are points that will count against you. If you're not sure how to put together a resume or a cover letter, do a Google search, even on words such as resume template or cover letter template. You'll find plenty of examples. I prefer sending both a PDF and a Word version of my documents just in case the recipient can't open one, hopefully she can open the other. Uh, It's very important for recruiters that you put information there that's factual that they can verify, especially if you're going for a higher level position. And of course, before you send out your cover letter and resume to recruiters or applying for specific jobs, get somebody else's viewpoint. Maybe it's your spouse or significant other. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a former boss you can trust in another industry. Uh, Maybe it's a former boss in the same industry. But just put that together. Let them give you their thoughts before you go out there. Next step is create a LinkedIn profile. If you haven't heard of LinkedIn, go to linkedin.com and set up a profile. It's free. And it's a very important aspect of the job search process because you get to highlight some of your key background elements. It should be quite similar to your resume, but it does not have to be identical. But it gives recruiters and potential hiring managers an easy way to get a snapshot about you and your experience and your skills. This also gives hiring power, hiring managers the power to find you before you even know that a position is available. And you might not have been laid off. You might be happy in your current job, but that doesn't mean your LinkedIn profile shouldn't be brought up to date. You can look at other people's profiles to get a sense of what a LinkedIn profile structure should look like. There are also several free articles on LinkedIn and other sources about creating a successful profile. Accentuate the positive, but don't put in every single thing you've done since you graduated from high school. And by the way, if you are more than 20 or 25 years out of college, you do not need to put your high school on your LinkedIn profile. Uh, you, You may want to consider omitting dates regarding when you graduated from college or when you attended college, as you don't necessarily want potential hirers to know exactly how old you are. Age discrimination is unfortunately quite common in the workplace, even though it is illegal under federal law and under state law. However, don't make it easy for a company to look past you to somebody else. Try to be as attractive as you can be in terms of your background and skills that are relevant for the job. There's a big debate about whether your LinkedIn profile should include a photograph or not, as a photograph could Uh, give evidence of certain elements you might not want the recruiter to know about, particularly your age, that is up to you. I'd say probably about a little over half the profiles I see on LinkedIn have pictures, especially of younger people. 
and a little less than half do not have pictures. There's no right or wrong answer there. It really depends on whether you have a good picture or not. If you do not have a good profile picture, do not post a bad profile picture. That will certainly work against you. And by the way, feel free to connect to other people on LinkedIn. They could be current or former colleagues, current or former bosses, your siblings, your parents, your kids. The more people you build up a relationship on LinkedIn through connections, the better it is for you as you search for a job, you can triangulate. To give you an example, I was laid off once from a big magazine publishing company, Condé Nast. As I conducted my search, I found a job online that was quite appealing at AOL. I applied for the job online, and then I tried to determine who in my LinkedIn network either worked at AOL or knew somebody who worked at AOL. Soon enough, I found somebody who was the former chief communications officer at Time Warner AOL, back in the day when AOL and Time Warner were one company, and I reached out to him. He gave me the email address of the CEO of AOL. So I sent an email to the CEO to say, hey, I just applied online for this job. I'd love to talk to you about it. The CEO, seeing that I had mentioned my friend's name in the email, forwarded my email to the head of HR, who forwarded it to the internal recruiter at AOL, who called me up and said, hey, I see from this email trail through the CEO of AOL that you're interested in this job. We'd love to sit down and talk to you about it. To make a long story short, I went in, I met with six people over the course of a couple of weeks, and I did not get the job. But the HR recruiter called me back and said, hey, we liked you so much, we'd love to talk to you about working as a freelancer. So I ended up working as a freelancer at AOL for a bit over three months until I found a permanent job at my current employer, Meredith. I have to say that being open to new ideas led me to say, yes, let's talk when the recruiter asked me about the freelance job, as opposed to the stock answer I probably would have given in the past, which is, no, thanks, I want a job with benefits. It turns out, though the, the freelance job was not as nearly as much as I had been paid in my prior job, it was enough for me to pay my bills and to buy medical insurance through COBRA, at least until I found another job that had medical benefits. So I have to say, being open to new ideas was a key factor there. Being able to triangulate on LinkedIn to see who I knew at the company I was applying to, who I knew worked there or used to work there was also a key element. And none of this would have happened had I not created a LinkedIn profile and connected to as many people as I could uh, in order to help both my future career path and my job search. While you're looking at LinkedIn job listings, you should also consider other job boards, particularly well-known ones such as ZipRecruiter or um, Indeed.com. Do not pay for job listings, however. For the most part, paid job listings are a way of separating job seekers from their money. I don't think that's ethical. There are plenty of job listing services that are free to the applicant and are paid for by the potential employer. That's the path you want to take. You don't want to pay people for information that others can get for free. Finally, when you're searching for a job online, you may want to register at various large company uh, recruiting sites. Uh, give you an example, uh, WarnerEntertainment.com or AT&T.com or CNBC or NBCUniversal.com. Through these online job agents, you can put in keywords. So whenever a job is posted on the company's website that has some of those keywords, you'll get an email, which means you'll be able to apply to that job much faster than anybody else, which means you'll be in the first crop of resumes that gets reviewed. And I have to say, online job search is like a lot of other things in life. The early bird gets the worm. 
So if you see a job listing you're interested in, apply right away. Don't wait another week. Don't wait another day. That might be too late, and the window of new resumes coming in may have closed because the employer may already be swamped. So apply right away. Apply for jobs that are relevant. Don't apply for jobs that are completely irrelevant. Your, your application will not be reviewed. And whenever a cover letter is required, write one. Whenever a cover letter is optional, write one. The only time you should not include a cover letter is if there's no place to include it. Otherwise, you should. You should send in your resume as part of the online process. Do not simply allow the job site to access your LinkedIn profile as it may come through with formatting, which is not what you would have intended. Uh, And make sure your resume has keywords that are relevant for that job listing. You can edit your resume to do so, but again, I caution, do not misrepresent your background. Do not put in information that is not uh, accurate. Uh, That will come back to haunt you. So, as you're looking for a job, how should you spend your time? I'm glad you asked that question. Treat the job search as a job. That means look at it as a five-day-a-week activity. Take breaks. Don't do it 24-7. Do not, do not do this at the expense of all other things in life. You need some downtime just as you do when you're working. Looking for a job is a job. Do it five days a week. Don't do it seven days a week. Do not work till midnight looking for a job. That will not be productive. Uh, do something for yourself on the side. What, maybe you join a volunteer organization or charity. Maybe you help tutor somebody in an important topic that you know something about. Maybe you give advice to other job seekers. But giving advice to others and helping others can make you feel good about the time you spent that day. If your only time you spent was time looking for a job and you did not find one yet, you may get down in the dumps and you want to avoid that. So it's important to have human contact. It's important to do something for yourself. And by the way, as you're looking for a job, read articles about the industries you're interested in. See if you can even post articles on LinkedIn if you happen to be particularly knowledgeable in a topic. That may attract more attention from recruiters who are constantly scouring LinkedIn, looking for people who are relevant for certain jobs that they have to fill. Make sure you continue eating right and at regular times and that you exercise. Having good personal health can help you and build your confidence. Don't get into a pattern of bad habits. You need a healthy mind above all else. And don't take the nose personally. You will apply for many jobs where you will not hear back or you'll get a rejection after a couple of weeks. Don't take it personally. It doesn't mean you're the wrong person for the job. It just means somebody else was a better fit. And that can happen. Sometimes companies post jobs that they interview for and then they later don't fill because their budget gets cut. Or they decide they don't need the job after all since it's been six months since the incumbent left. Again, don't take it personally. Uh, consider hanging out a shingle as a consultant if you have particular knowledge that you think people will be willing to pay for. And even be a volunteer consultant where you do a couple of gigs at no pay just to build your reputation and be able to cultivate somebody as a reference for you for other hopefully paying consultant gigs. Uh, This is something you can bring up if you attend networking meetings or informational interviews uh, with people. And by the way, informational interviews are another key way for you to get your name out there. You can reach out to people you know and people you don't know and ask them if they will meet with you to give advice about the job search. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Uh, Consider temp job agencies if you need a steady income flow sooner than later. You might end up taking a job that's beneath your skill set, but something to have money come in the door. 
Most temp agencies do have both short and long-term projects, and they're looking for people who may only want to work for a couple of weeks or even a month. Um, as with everything else, be very careful about paying for advice. In the same way that I caution you not to pay for job listings, you can pay for job search advice from an expert, especially if you've never done it before and you don't have a lot of confidence. But be sure you can check that person's references and be sure it's a person who actually has no hidden agendas, who is just there to help people. And pay what you can afford, but ask the person up front, how much do you charge? Is it by the hour or is it just on a project basis? Meaning I can talk to you 10 times for $500. Uh, see if it's face-to-face -face or it's just over the phone. Sometimes over the phone services are not actually all that helpful and it might be better face-to-face -face because then you can read the other person's body language. Um, these are all things to consider. And check into your state employment office. You may have to file for unemployment depending what state you live in. And they often at those unemployment offices want to meet you face-to-face -face at least once. And sometimes they have job listing and job advice services that you can take advantage of as an unemployed worker who has been paying taxes in that state. So definitely look into that. Uh, and finally, line up references. You never know when you meet somebody, a recruiter or a potential hiring manager, who asks you for references. You want to give references that you've already cleared, that those people are willing to give references for you. You want to make sure the reference is somebody who knows your work product or your personal nature well enough that the person can speak about what your strong points are. You don't want to choose as a reference somebody you didn't get along with. That person may actually provide information that will be detrimental to your finding that job. How many references should you get? That's a good question also. I would recommend having a list of four or five. The most potential employers probably only need to see two or three uh, on a list to start calling. But have five just in case. You never know if an employer um, calls a couple references and can't get through and then comes back and asks you for a couple more names. Okay, what else should you do to find a job? Well, there's networking. And what is networking? Networking really is a way of talking to people, preferably face-to-face, -to, -face, to try to build some kind of personal relationship. It does not have to be an in-depth relationship, but a personal relationship so the person can vouch for you or give you advice or give you other people to whom you can also network with. You should get your own business cards created, by the way. It's a good thing, especially for older school people, to hand them a business card uh, that has your contact information on it. Uh, for millennials, that tends not to be the case, and you may just need to send them a text or an email with your personal information so they can put it into their electronic calendar. So, with whom should you network? Ah, friends, former bosses, relatives, neighbors. You never know who's going to know somebody who knows somebody who may lead you to your next job. Always ask if you can meet face-to-face, -face, as that tends to carry more weight. Uh, use phrases such as, perhaps we can meet over a cup of coffee, which implies that the conversation will be relatively short. Uh, many senior people can network with you for 15 or 20 minutes, but they will not be able to spend an hour with you. As you're networking, see if you can talk to some people that you already know. That's easier and it gives you good practice. Start with friends and relatives. Then reach out to former bosses, perhaps neighbors. Reach out to colleagues. Reach out to former colleagues. Reach out to people you don't even know once you have enough experience and confidence to do that. And very important, keep track of everybody you meet, the dates and times, and whether there is any follow-up that you need to do afterwards. 
See if you can meet as many of these people face-to-face as that becomes very important as part of the process and it helps you to guide the conversations which eventually become interviews once you get job interviews. As you reach out to people, ask if you can meet over a cup of coffee as that implies a relatively short meeting, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, as opposed to an unspecified let's meet and talk after work which could be an hour and a half or two hours. Most senior people will give you 15 or 20 minutes, but will not give you an hour. In any event, take notes during the conversation, briefly, not extensively, as you want to maintain eye contact. But taking notes can help you to remember what you discussed later, especially if there is something that might come back and be valuable to you down the road. Always ask at the end of an informational interview if the person you're meeting with can give you the names of two or three others who might be helpful to you. That way you keep expanding your network and each time you meet somebody, you get a couple more names. The more people you talk to, the more likely somebody will know of a job that's available and relevant for you. And don't be afraid to follow up with people to say, hey, I met with you last month, just checking in. I'm still searching. If you hear of anything that's relevant for me, just a reminder, I'm looking for jobs in the shoe industry. I'm an expert at shoe fitting or whatever the services that you are seeking to provide for whatever potential employer. But that is very important. Always stay in touch, but do not, do not, do not be a stalker. Very important. And if you see a job listing online, apply and then find out who you know at the company. If you can find a direct contact or know the email address format, you can reach out to somebody via email. If it's somebody you met before, you can say, hey, Fred, I just saw a listing posted, so I applied for it as a shoemaker at Big Shoe Company. What can you tell me about the job? Do you know who the hiring managers are? I'd love if you could help put me in touch. Most people will like to help you, especially if it doesn't take very much effort on their part. But as you see these things and as you ask people questions, put that into your tracking list as well to see if the people are actually helpful for you or not helpful for you. And part of manners. Always, always, always send a thank you note after you meet with somebody, particularly on an informational interview because the person's taking time out of her busy day just to give you advice. Send thank you notes when you meet with people about job jobs at corporations as you won't believe how few people actually do that anymore and how much you will stand out as a candidate. I can tell you from my experience hiring other people in my departments at Condé Nast and at Meredith that The person who shows he or she really wants to work at my company and really wants to work in my industry makes a much bigger impression than somebody who's just looking for a nine-to-five job. So that's important as well. And last but not least, make sure your thank you notes have some degree of the personal in them. Bring up something you spoke about during your conversation. Make yourself more memorable. It's okay to point out something that's a key element of why you're the best candidate for the job if you're sending a thank you note to somebody who interviewed you for a job, but you don't want to rehash everything on your resume or everything you spoke about in your interview. You want to keep it short and sweet. Uh, If you meet multiple people at one company, don't give them all carbon copies of the same thank you note. Try to diversify the thank you notes to be specific to each person. And don't, don't, don't be lazy. It takes thought to put something memorable into a thank you note. And how long should a thank you note be? Probably three to five sentences, and that's it. It should not be paragraphs. Uh, The most important thing there is that you will find something. Searching for a job is a job. And as I said, while you're looking, consider volunteering or giving back to the community. That can keep you occupied 
and keep you focused on doing new things and making new connections. And by the way, you might end up liking the volunteer work at a charity so much that you seek out jobs in the nonprofit sector, which is a great thing because then not only do you have a job that you get paid, um, but you're helping other people. And there's nothing in life that is as satisfying in the long term as helping others. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, consider being open to new opportunities. New opportunities could lead to doors that you did not even know existed, or even windows for that matter. Make sure during the search process that you stay in contact with your friends and family. You don't want to drop off the face of the earth, and they will help you keep your spirits up. It can be depressing, especially with the rejection or not even knowing when you apply for jobs and you never hear again, but that's part of the process, so you should expect it. If you expect it, it's not as disappointing as if you didn't expect it. Um, allow your friends to treat you for lunch or dinner on occasion if they can afford it and don't feel guilty about it because someday you may be in a position to reciprocate and do the same thing for them. Those who care about you will want to help you in any way that they can, any way within reason, of course. As I said, eventually you will find a job. Don't let this unexpected turn of events define your life. Be persistent and remain positive, and you will be able to see that this is a learning experience that will help you in any future endeavor. I can tell you from my own experience, I was relatively shy, but when I started networking, I really learned how to talk to other people about my background and what was relevant for them and what I was looking for in a job. And by the time I got to actual job interviews, I was much better at articulating the important points and even steering the conversation. Had I not gone through the networking process, I probably would not have done very well in job interviews and I'd probably still be out there looking. Who knows? I have to say, this has been a good experience for me and I met a lot of great people that I would not have otherwise met. So again, if you get laid off, if you lose your job, Consider it the end of one era, but the beginning of another, and consider it leading you to pathways in life that you would not have ever imagined. I wish you the best of success, and I'd love to hear down the road, for those of you who've been laid off, how your job search is going, and whether or not you actually found something great. Once again, this is Rob Silverstone for The Rob Silverstone Show. Thanks for listening. Signing off till next time.